poet man and I'm the chronicler even though I can't actually say that properly or even saying no whether I'm saying it right or not but there we go well it's your name you can say it how you like it's yeah. tricky to spell but <laughs> it is and again I hope now looking at it that I'm spelling it right which would be completely utterly shite if the writer <laughs> cannot even write his own title but uh, but there we go Anyway, uh, we're back. This is the second Poet Man and the Chronic Claw uh, podcast. Um, the first one went down all right. We've got a few people following us. Uh, we want more, of course, more people, more of you lovely people. Um, we're basically here because um, there's a lack of local podcasts that, that cover poetry and writing. So me and Will here. Uh, decided to start this podcast and we've come back for more yeah i think writing is really good for anyone and i try and encourage people at my poetry night to write and um yeah it's really helped me out since i've started writing and i think everyone should do more of it so that's why we're doing it i think that's good i just realized we're, we're lacking something very important here and that's uh alcohol all right yeah, do you sort that out? Yeah, yeah, go on, sort that out. So Will's, Will's just going out of the room for a second just to get us a, a couple of beers. Uh, and I will uh, talk some inane chatter whilst he's doing it. Um, I don't want to open this up so you can... Well, yeah, yeah, can let, let's listen, listen to the lovely sound. Is there no better sound than that? Slumpshire. So we'll try not now to slurp down the microphone because that's... Not pleasant at all, really. Sorry, Will, I interrupted you. Go ahead. Not at all. Um, basically, I've been doing a lot of poems on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it was a bad idea to drink a quarter of a can. Twitter. Twitter. Right, so I've written something a bit bitter this morning. I just want to say it's eight lines long. Amongst the Twitter giants, I'm like a tiny borrower. Is there anyone out there who wants to be my 50th follower? Having less than 50 followers, it's like shouting at a brick wall. I'm publishing micro poetry, but it's at any point at all. Uh, so I, I've got loads of poems on Twitter. I'm just going to tell you a few of them. I had a wind. I had wind. And I was ill. It was an ill wind. I farted twice, and an old man grinned. That's one of them. I lost my. <laughs> I lost my tobacco tin. It had my rizzers and filters in. Near my lighter. What a joke. Fifty gram pouch, and I can't even smoke. I saw a hot girl. It was thirty degrees. Should have looked where I was going, because I tripped to my knees. Um, I thought I saw the Ku Klux Klan, their white robes were so clean, but I think I need new glasses, it was players on the bowling green. My favourite one is, uh, my dog is a pervert, he laps up other dogs wee. I always try and stop him because it reflects badly on me. I'd just like to interject here and point out that although Will is actually reading poetry, this is how he actually talks. <laughs> he, will, he will automatically go into some kind of poem yeah. and go into rhyme without even knowing about it. Well, I tr try and do it all the time, rhyme, <laughs> line after line. I think it's fine. It's only minorly infuriating, but apart from that, it's great. The one I wrote today for Twitter was, The geese have had enough. They formed a flying V. Stops me whinging about the cold to witness their beauty. The little ones. Anyway, if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can just search for Poet Man, because that's, that's how you'll find it. Or it's... William Makespear, but it's William with one L, because Twitter's not just short for usernames, uh, not just short for tweets, it's short for usernames as well. Do you want to hear another poem? Can I just point out, is that Poet Man, that's two words, isn't it? No, no just man. one. Oh, is it one word? Oh. Poet Man like Superman. Ah, yes, I should have realised that. Sorry, Sorry, go on. Don't worry about that. Um, 
I've got one that I wrote. It's a bit sad. I don't really write sad poems, but I have done. I asked a girl to dinner and she didn't say no, but she had to speak to her sister to find out if she could go. Because she is relied upon by her to look after both her nieces. But I wish she'd been definitive because waiting's left me in pieces. I'm lying down flat on my back, just waiting for her to text me back, staring at my phone, just stopping in at home. Staring at my phone, the cables all coiled, the watch pot that'll never boil. I texted her an hour ago, she's not yet texted me back. I must have said something wrong, the conversation's gone off track. I had my heart set on going out on her first date, but I'm stuck here in limbo, forced to procrastinate. So I do my fucking dishes and I make myself more books and put time into my website and alter how it looks. Now I'm in the bath alone, keep glancing at my phone and my neck's aching from twisting. I think I've clicked a bone. It's getting close to seven and I wanted to be out for eight. I'm starting to realise it's been getting rather late. People say it's easy to go out on the pull. I try, but it feels sleazy and I don't want to fucking do it. It hasn't got an end in that poem. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just ask one, one clarifying question? Yeah. She had to ask for permission. She was of an illegal age, wasn't she? Oh, I, yeah. Yeah, she's like 25. That's all right. Just checking. Just checking. I'm, I'm glad that you've given me that feedback, though, because that's something I need to work on, then, isn't it? If that's the wrong impression. I've got another one about being shit at pulling. Every girl I meet and think is fun, boyfriend, married, or lesbian. Um, I could string a list of names like Mambo Number 5, and it's playing havoc with my sex drive. Sure, I'll go out with you if, it wasn't, if I wasn't with someone. That's nice, but let me know once he's long gone. They say, why don't you try a dating site? Give it another month, and I just might. So there you go. I've, I've, I've Very good. done some poems for you. Um, I'm really looking forward to the Nags Head tomorrow. Um, it's called Spoken Word is not, is not Dead in Glenfield in the Nags Head. And um, I met a guy on Tuesday at Word, which is a monthly event. And he's called Stephen Rose. He is 20, I think. And he is got into Oxford studying English. Okay. And it's first ever performance. And he smashed it. It was amazing. And cool. he's going to be performing tomorrow. And I'm hopefully going to record it like I did with what yeah. we'll be playing later. And we'll put it on next week. Uh, next, yeah, because I, I really want to hear... He only has, we all have three minutes each at that open mic night, and um, I want to hear more. So I'm going to let him do 10 or even 15, because I just... Every, it was a hit after hit. So yeah, that'll be something to look forward to in the next podcast, because Stephen Rose is going to be massive, I think. He's, he was a, he just... I can't talk him up enough. Yeah, yeah, he did really, really well. For a first ever performance poetry, it just blew everyone away. Um, Unlike me, uh, an unnatural. No, you did really well. Uh, so let me see what are we do now. I, yeah, should we go straight into your? Just, just want to tell what dates the Nags Heads. Yeah, at this point. We so today is the eighth, and the Nags Head is really the ninth of September tomorrow. The next one is the twenty third of September, and um, before then, I'm really excited about. I'm entering a poetry slam championship, okay. and um, that's called Superheroes of Slam. And that's on September the 17th at Attenborough Arts Centre. And that's free entry. And uh, there's a £250 prize plus a week at a writer's resort. Oh, a wow. writer's re retreat. Retreat, yes. not resort. It's like Disneyland <laughs> or something. <laughs> we all have resort. Just a resort where you have to be a writer. And uh, yeah, you uh, go down a black hole like Bottom Towers. Well, that's it. No, they, they, they're going to have two like, very well-known writers mm. teaching. And it's worth £600 that alone, like, that week away. Oh, so, yeah, they do a lot of, like, scholarships with young people. And, um, yeah, it'd be a really good prize. I thought I was going to really do well, like, when mm. I first found out about it. 
but I've since found out it's not just people on open mic like me. It's going to be all the people locally that are professional poets. Yeah, yeah they want the two hundred and fifty quid just as much as me. You know? Yeah, yeah. God, we all need so as now, much money as humanly possible. So yeah, I'm starting to panic about it because I thought, yeah. oh, this will be easy. And now there's going to be twenty people on stage taking turns doing three minutes each, and be confident. Yeah, who cares? Well, just, just go, just go to enjoy it. You know. I've done loads of poems already, but do you want to hear one that I might do as a slam? Go on I on. did one at the last podcast. This you is heard it here option. first, folks. Yeah. This is called Customer Service Slammed. <laughs> I've written a, a haiku version of it. Um, Customer service. You behave like someone's slave, but get paid for it. Uh, right. I quit my job and moved to Leicester because I was in love with you. No income for two months until that group interview. An hour tower of art straws. It went right to the top. Um, <laughs> then I sold my new boss an empty cardboard box then it was welcome here's your contract now smile keep eye contact good day sir are you well remember to upsell here's an apron and a hat have you got a dog or a cat it's just my pet hate my bugbear is staff coming here all covered in hair there you go though you just look grand that's the standard for the brand log that temp in the legal book have you done it properly let me have a look a full shift on your feet in a catering unit. You feel the heat, but on the till it's even worse. You force a smile like your cheeks will burst. You've got to deal with the customer's gripes. And even when they're wrong, you've got to be nice. But they don't have to be nice to you. They can treat you like poo on the sole of their shoe. All the normal rules get tossed aside. There's things you can't do or say. You bottle them up inside. Eight hours can seem a trial. Fake smiling all the while. And you perform like you're on stage for 8p more than the minimum wage. Did you hear about Sally? Made team leader. Extra pound an hour with a lucky bleeder. Plus a whole host of responsibilities. From ordering and cashing up to holding all the keys. It's extra pressure but a foot in the door. Maybe run the whole unit one day. Earn a lot more and be queen of all that she surveys for about eight hours nearly every day. It's not a lofty goal, but I felt pretty capable. The only opportunity, so it's inescapable. I look around the team and thought, I'm one of the best. And I went to the boss to show some interest. Soon I was doing more work for the same pay. He was stringing me along a little more each day. Then suddenly a team leader's caught red-handed in the till. And finally our needs are aligned. The news gives me a thrill. But my modest hopes were dashed. The opportunity was lost. I learned that life is toss when you've got a bad boss. Right, about that promotion. Thanks for coming for a chat. You've not got the job, but you can have some feedback because there's things you've written here that seem naive and idealist. And when the bottom line is money, I'm on the lookout for a realist. How would you engage your workforce? Let's use that as a sample. You wrote, I'll get stuck in to set a good example. That might work if you've got skills and your staff have aspirations, but I don't hire people with ideas above their stations. You need to grow up, man. It says here you're 30. I'm not going to employ a manager or get his hands dirty. You've written that you speak to your colleagues with respect. Now that's just not something I would value or expect. They're all on minimum wage and they're not going to change. And they only get a move on when I shout in a rage. If you were prepared to talk to people like shit, I'd see that as a sign that you got true grit, that you were eager to bend the world to your will, not waste your life like this lot slaving over a grill. An A-level maths, that's just not something I like. Put a path on a graph of an object in flight. It's a neat trick and it's no mean feat, but it's useless compared to a good spreadsheet. Everybody says you're a hard worker, you, so I think I'll keep you at the bottom where there's more work to do. So, yeah, I might do that on Thursday the 17th at Superheroes of Slam. By the way, 
listeners, I have removed all razor blades from Will's house just, just, <laughs> to, be, uh, just to be sure. You know. uh, it's not just about my current, or, uh, it's not my current boss anymore. No, no. It's about every bad boss I've ever had. So. I know. And I, I recognise that quite a lot as well. So, uh, I think a lot of people do. But, uh, right. Um, so, should we do some of the, uh, some of the Nags Head um, recordings? Yes. Uh, so, first... We've got your one. Oh, you yeah. came to do your first ever poetry debut. Yeah. And I really liked it, and I'm sure the listeners will. It was called Parents Lament. We're going to play that now. Okay, thanks. Can you keep that applause going for Ben, please? Okay, everyone, this is the... This is, like, the first time I've done this, so can I bear with me? Okay, cheers. Thanks. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, this is called A Parent's Lament, and you guys will see this in a good couple of years. To be a parent of a young child, there are a few things that get you riled. To be woken just when your dreams get sweet because your baby's hungry and needs to eat. To tread on Lego blocks and howl in pain only to massage your foot and do it again. Changing nappies can feel like a dirty wrestling rumble while searching for the missing baby wipes. Your resolve starts to crumble. I'm sure they were here a bloody minute ago. The freaking dogs got them, the so-and-so. Because in front of them, you cannot swear or curse, so you end up saying flipping heck and nothing worse. Your own parents coo and cuddle the baby with, grand, with a grandparent's love because they know they can soon leave think, thanking heavens above. They've done their time, and now it's their baby's turn to be the parents to knuckle down to feel the burn. Meals out become an endurance test, more endurance test than a treat. With embarrassment and stress, you can only retreat. Projectile weapons are made of sausage and fruit, making the kitchen look like wartime Beirut. Car journeys come with a chorus of banshee screaming until you find yourself often daydreaming of times when you were young and responsibility free. But this is just venting and not really me. I love the little bugger and that will never stop unless he ends up killing me with a well-placed bop. So always remember, though your spare time no longer exists, your love for them grows and always persists. Thank you. Thanks so much, Ben. First time ever performing. That's what Poet Man wants, so that's great. We're back. Yeah. Uh, the other thing we did for the first time, I, I thought that was really good, by the way, Ben. Uh, yeah, thank you. Yeah, no, I thought, yeah, solid. solid uh, just, first just start. Yeah, I, w- I will not take any praise. Uh, in true kind of middle class English fashion, I will uh, swat it down with a stiff upper lip and all that. And all that, yeah. The other thing we did for the first time at the Nags Head gig was we put, in, uh, my original plan was to put post it notes with titles on and have people finish them, but instead I just asked the group for a collective um, title. And someone said, poems and pints, which I just slashed down just to pints. Yeah. And we had, uh, we're going to play you something from Charlotte. She'd never performed before. Uh, Josh, who's only 17. And he's the guy who originally called me Poet Man. And, and that's why I'm called Poet Man. Because uh, he was in the park and he was waving at me. He's the guy. He's the guy. Right. So I got yeah. a poem out of him, which is great. And uh, Kev, who's been like a staunch supporter of the Nags Head gig ever since I yeah. started it. So they were really good. I remember them. Yeah. Well, we're going to play it now. So you'll be able to listen to it again then. See what I think. Fantastic. Can't wait. Go. Charlotte, do you want to have a go? Come on up. Hello. 
<laughs> I may have a pint tonight, or two, or three, or four. Or maybe I'll have five and six and puke up on the floor. I met some girl called Molly, or maybe it was Sue. You see that what happens when you've had a few. Random Facebook messages, would you like a date? Oh my God, I've no idea. I click, we'd just be mates. I'm never drinking again, I tell myself, or maybe till tomorrow. Let's get wrecked tonight, let's get wrecked tonight. Pint. Thanks so much. Anybody else got one they want to read? Yeah, come on up. Okay. A pint full of beer, a pub full of cheers. Wherever you are, there's always a bar. A glass of red wine, the pub that's a shrine. Wherever you are, I'll never be far. No crying, no tears, no worries or fears. A pub that's been running for so many years. Now buy me a pint or put up a fight. Do not go to bed, stay right here in the nag's head. Any of the people who've already performed, do you want to do any more? you got something, Kev. Come on up. This is brand new, straight off the tip of his pencil, tonight. As you know, this is called Pints. I came in here and drank a beer, and then I drank a whiskey, and then I drank another beer and started feeling frisky. And then I drank another beer, a stronger one this time, and then I drank another beer and wrote this little rhyme. And then I drank another beer, the same one as the first. And then I drank another beer, but I couldn't quench my thirst. And then I drank another beer to see what happened next. And then I drank another beer, and my wife sent me a text. It said, did you remember the bacon? I texted back, yes, of course. Not remembering that lying will only make this worse. I'd forgotten all about the bacon, but what was I to do? The shop's all shut an hour ago. I'm really in the poo. And then I drank another beer, anticipating the fight. And then I drank another beer. That's enough for tonight. We're back again. Hey. Yet again. Um, right. I know this has been poetry heavy, but I've got a bit more. Okay. Not poems, but like just what I've been doing. Since no, no, last... no. We want to hear about what you've been doing. We want to hear about what you've got coming up. Right. This is what the people want. I think when I spoke to you last, it was I'd just done my first, like it was 35 minutes on stage and there's 150 people there and I felt great. It was awesome. But since then I've been to Corby, my first paid poetry job, the Shakespeare Festival. Fantastic. I was compare of a stage at this like literary festival. We had two performances by a local group, Troop, I suppose they are, called mm-hmm. Scufflebox. And I wrote a poem to introduce them on stage. Is that where you got the sunburn? Yeah. Sorry, yeah. sorry that you can't see this because we're not recording, <laughs> but, but Will is supremely sunburned. Either yeah. that or he's eternally embarrassed. Well, maybe a bit of both. But basically, it went well. They, I did a poem on stage introducing them where it's mm. like, there's going to be buckets and blood and it's going to be good. And they chased me off with sticks and then started this like really good Shakespeare matinee and then an evening performance. And I was introducing the bands and plugging what they wanted and hopefully we get more work out of it. Fantastic. Since then, I've been booked to perform at The Shed, which is a live music venue in Leicester City Centre. It's been going for years. Yeah. Live music seven nights a week. Great. That's really good. And then Westival was on, and I tried my, tried my best to get on mm. the bill. Uh, no one was getting back to me. I've been in four or five times to try and find the people who organised it. Yeah. We've got posters up in most of the... I did see the posters, yeah. Yeah, saying get in touch to perform. I did, and no one got back to me, so I just turned up anyway. Yeah. And... 
I was hungover because I'd been at the shed the night before, and uh, I just I took all my kit with me and was ready. You, know, you did some guerrilla poetry, did you? I just bullied my way onto the bill. Brilliant. And I'd done this the week before. Um, there's a like a country band called The Missing Mile. Yeah. And I know um, Matt Kennison, who plays guitar and uh-huh. song, singer-songwriter, through doing open mic night in pubs locally. And I just sort of asked Riley, Mike Riley is the lead singer of that band, if I could do five minutes. I ended up doing ten. Yeah. And sold two books, and because I was rewarded for it financially for just yeah. pulling my way onto the bill, the audience didn't know I was not supposed to be there. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. And it's been sort of raising my profile a bit because people have been coming up saying, "Oh, I heard you did some at Westerval," yeah. and I went up in between all the bands there. It wasn't a paid gig, but I sold some books. Oh, that's good. And I did the same on Saturday. Just gone. There was a thing, a food a food bank um, fundraising thing. Oh, really? A lady called Jess Green. Um, and her band, they've just come back from Edinburgh. Right. And they do volunteer work at a local food bank. So they organise yeah. this thing. Well, they were part of this thing at Duffy's Bar. Yeah. Which does a poetry night once a month there as well, called Ping. Um, and Grace Petrie is a folk singer. Mm-hmm. Plays, played with her band. And again, I just sort of bullied my way onto the bill. Excellent. I ended up selling one book for £10 that was given straight to the food bank. Yeah. And then another four books I sold. So Nice one. It's sort of raising my profile a bit and bullying my way on because the audience do not know I'm not supposed to be there. Is this your profile as a poet or yeah. as a nuisance? No, I mean, I'm cycling <laughs> through the streets and someone like literally flagged me down shouting, Poet Man. Yeah. And she's someone who bought like my sixth copy of my book. Oh, brilliant. And um, she, she took my phone, she was drunk, and she like, yeah. she typed her name into Facebook and added it to me as a friend. Oh, fantastic. And then I called her by the wrong name and she said, I'm not going to add you, I'm not going to, yeah. I'm going to cancel that request now. <laughs> I called by the wrong name, so I felt like such a celebrity and then a waste of space in the same second. Well, let's face it, most of the people who listen to our stuff are, are at least partially drunk. <laughs> it always helps, actually. Anyway, that's all I had to say. Um, the other thing is, if you want to send any poetry for us to read, then send it to the Facebook page. If you like us on Facebook, you can, you can post there, and everyone who likes it will see it. And uh, we'd like to read it out. So yeah, anybody wants to send anything for us to read out, and the, uh, the Facebook URL is, of course, facebook.com forward slash poetman and the chronicler. Super. Okay. So, yeah, Ben, uh, you, you know, you're a writer, not a poetry, <laughs> but uh, what, what have you been on with? Okay, well, basically, I've been, uh, I've got several projects on the go whenever I get, like, some spare time or whenever the insomnia kicks in, which may explain for some of the bizarre writing I do, but... I have got an ongoing uh, novel, which is almost not worth talking about yet. So I'm doing bits and bobs on that. I do my Noah's Chronicles um, blog, which I try and get about two or three going. I also am doing a short, which I got asked ages ago to do, called The Company Man, which is based in the Dark Tower of um, Stephen King's world, which is it's fan fiction but I hate doing fan fiction I would never normally do this but I got asked to do it anyway I'll talk about that after this I'm just going to do a uh, two or three entries ago I'm, I'm going to just read one of the Noah's Chronicles out Super. it is called The Phantom Tomato Flinger and Lego River Mortis uh, title is More Food Flinging Fun Now, I know that I may have previously mentioned some of the subjects covered here in previous posts. Mm. 
I used previously and previous there. Anyway, never mind. But due to Noah growing up so fast, I'm going to give you an update. Last weekend, we were in Prague, which is a beautiful city with lovely people, uh, where we went to our friend's wedding in a castle in the rural countryside. Uh, have lovely woods and a, and a superb history. This would have been idyllic, and indeed the wedding was with food out of this world. But Noah decided that this was the perfect time to start his terrible twos early. Several key incidents happened, so here's, here goes. If I can actually lower it. Okay, so this is the rogue cherry tomato incident. After a quick tour of old town, the old town of Prague, we found a modern cafe in a small shopping centre. As parents will know that your preference of eating place goes out of the window and is replaced with venues that have changing facilities and space around the table for a pram. We ordered via the menus that came on iPads, and that's a first for me. A dish of pancakes for Noah and sandwiches for ourselves. Now Noah had recently been, sorry, Noah has been recently seeing food as less of an eating commodity and more of a projectile weapon. And so once the pancake had been unceremoniously rejected, we gave him bits of our sandwich. This was received with more gusto. But once Noah saw the cherry tomato, his devilish instinct took over and he flung it to his left with superhuman force. Now my reactions have improved since Noah's come along, but even I didn't have time to see if the missile met its mark. He was, in fact, a large, fat gentleman sitting with his wife over a cup of coffee and cake. I did, however, notice the gentleman dabbing his face with a complimentary napkin and saw the rogue cherry tomato at the foot of his chair. So I put two and two together and marvelled at the man's patience. He was obviously a parent too. With an apologetic smile to the man, I scooped the offending fruit from the floor and pretended nothing had happened. We did, however, ask for the bill rather quickly and left a sizeable tip. The next incident is what I've titled Tantrum Galore. Since Noah's been able to walk, he has wanted to do little else. But however, he also likes to do the spontaneous floppy legs, which in his way, which is his way of telling me he's tired. This would be fine if he would let himself be carried, but he makes a fuss if you pick him up. It's basically a lose-lose situation. So on the day of the wedding, we had a perfect storm of bad behaviour. Not only were there other children around his age that were angelic, cute and quiet, but Noah made extra effort to make up for the lack of naughtiness from the other children. He perfected the screams at inopportune moments he aimed the lovely food sorry, he aimed the lovely food at any white garment that came within a five metre radius and became a rigid Lego man whenever you wanted to put him in the pram. All these incidents were accompanied by his painted banshee scream that for miles around sets birds aflight and wild dogs run for cover. Our reaction. Now as we are relatively new parents, anything that our child does that could be interpreted as naughty makes us feel like the worst parents in the world. It feels that it feels like all eyes are on us and they're judging, saying things like, that child needs more discipline or that child is out of control. 
In reality, the people are sectioned off into two groups. The sympathetic stares of those that have been through the, the stage with their own children and those that just ignore it and keep on drinking their free booze. I think the trick, I think the trick is to keep the balance is to keep a balance of telling them off firmly, this is the children, not the, not the people, <laughs> when they've done something wrong, but not let the stress get to you. Easier said than done, I know. There's nothing more embarrassing than you telling a child off in a public place by saying something like, we do not throw broccoli at the waiter, whilst a large vein throbs in the middle of your forehead. Uh, well, that's it for another entry. There's a plethora of other incidents, but there for another time. And all this is left to say is to remember to enjoy the little bundle of chaos as amongst those moments where you wish to throttle them, they're actually rather beautiful. And that's the end of that entry. <laughs> Sorry about my... Uh, I'm trying to scroll down a screen at the same time, which is not the easiest when you're trying to read something, so apologies for that. Uh, so I shall just say now, again with, as Will said with the poetry, if anybody wants to send any short or flash fiction um, to the uh, the website page, which is facebook.com, Poetman and the Chronicler, um, you can have it on there for people to read or let us know if you want us to read it on the podcast and we would love to do so. Uh, the next bit I've got is it's just an excerpt from a short story called The Company Man, which, as I said earlier, is based in the Dark Tower uh, magnum opus that Stephen King wrote. I wouldn't normally do fan fiction because it's kind of professional suicide, but I, I like it so much um, that and this story came to me that I, I wrote it. So I'm just going to read you a, a kind of a chapter which is probably about a third of the way through. I'll just give you a bit of background. Basically, uh, this man wakes up after being in stasis Stasis is basically uh, suspended animation. Um, and he's worked for this big company called North Central Positronics. Uh, he's realized that he's been in stasis for 40 years and everything is basically gone. So all the civilization that was there is gone and has been replaced by a waste lab. So he has no choice but to gather what um, stuff he can, food and what have you, and head out into the wasteland. And this chapter just starts when he finds the first thing in the wasteland. Sorry, that's not very articulate. Anyway, here goes. Later on, about the time the sun was just past its apex, the normally featureless terrain gave birth to a scattering of shacks that looked abandoned, but near its centre there seemed to be a large industrial building that Steve recognised as one of the company's pumping stations. Noting the small plume of smoke coming from the exhaust duct meant that there must be a human manning the station. Thank God, a freaking conversation, he said, and maybe the chance for him to make sense of this fucked up situation. As he walked through the ramshackle village, a desolate eeriness put him on his guard. Feeling for the reassuring lump of his sidearm, he walked down what appeared to have once been the main concourse that led to the pumping station. The faded carcass of a car recharge facility to his left gave him a realising shock of how much time had actually passed. He remembered the strap line that had faded into nothingness. Zoom charge! Put your zoom into your journey! He especially hated the third O from the zoom in the logo. Pointless and irritating. 
Approaching the pumping station, he could hear the wheezing, gaseous sounds and the strain of cogs on pneumatics, as if the machine was pleading for a retirement that was long overdue. Locating the small service door, he tried the handle, surprised to find that it opened with ease. The gloom, compared to the light outside, blinded him and he fumbled for a light switch. Finding the pull cord, he yanked it, and the dull glow of a low-energy bowl gradually gained momentum and slowly lit the room. A substantial furnace generator dominated the central, the centre of the large room, and an old wooden stool stood by the furnace hatch, a pile of green weeds heaped next to it. Stephen knelt down, picked up a weed and smelt it. It had an acrid, spicy odour to it. He instantly dropped it and wiped his hands. Ugh! Man, Jesus, shitting devil grass. Why are they burning that? He asked himself. A polite cough brought Steve out of his reverie. He turned around and with a reflex action, he had his posse 45 in his hand pointed toward the noise. A grizzled old man wearing a wide-brimmed and battered cowboy hat leant against the doorway, chewing nonchalantly on a stalk of the addictive grass. Sorry to startle you there, young man, but this here is my humble abode. And I thought I should be a good host and let you know about my presence. Also, I burned that ship weed because it's the only solid fuel around here. Steve lowered his gun slightly, recovering his wits. What about all the shacks outside? That's solid fuel, isn't it? It looks like you do more than burn the grass, said Steve, indicating to the weed hanging out of the man's mouth. Now, see, there's two different questions. The man lifted his gnarled, green-stained fingers. Firstly... There's the wood outside. Now I'd rather burn my old trouser snake than put the cursed wood in old Smoky here. He patted the flume of the big generator. It's got them spirits wrapped up in those timbers, and any poor soul who looks to disturb them shacks are in for a nasty surprise. He lifted his second finger. Secondly, I've been forced to eat these devil's pubes as it's the only thing to eat. I'm just lucky them nightmares stopped years ago. Oh, occasionally some two-headed beastie will wander through the village. But they get special treatment from Marilyn here. He pulled out his battered sawn-off ba sawn double-barreled shotgun that he had tucked in the waistband of his rank trousers. I can snag it easy. I need it for a week, sometimes two. But it's been at least two seasons since that happened. So it's just me and the weed. That's rough, uh, Mr... Asked Steve, reverting to the formal etiquette that had been drummed into him over countless staff and client meetings. My name's Tuberculosis Tip, but those that used to know me just call me Tub. Right, of course, he responded with no small amount of confusion. You're a cocky son of a bitch, aren't you? What's with that get-up, anyway? Said Tub, indicating Steve's clothes. What, these? These are standard posse issue. They just give these to all the field operatives. Posse what? Asked Tubb, scratching his bulbous wart on the end of his nose. You know, NSU. North Central Positronics? I don't know what you're talking about, gungan, but you best lower that pea shooter from out of my face unless you want to see the business end of Marilyn here, said Tubb, leveling the shotgun in Steve's direction. Steve lowered the gun and slumped, slumped to the floor, feeling woozy. Huh? That old devil weed from the generator working on you, isn't it? Makes you feel all woozy and dizzy at first, but then kind of nice. Until the dreams come, of course. It's making me feel dizzy. 
Yep, like I said, it will do that. Just stay there and get comfortable. You're in for one hell of a ride. The last thing he saw before passing out was Tubbs spreading a stained blanket on his legs and giving him a good knowing, good natured wink. Mm-hmm. Right, that's the end of that <laughs> chapter. I really, really apologise for the accents. I loved it. That was uh, that was quite dreadful. Did so apologise for that. <laughs> oh God! It's good to have characters that have a different vocabulary and everything. I liked it. I think it's good. It's weird when you read out your own work because you've got these voices and you can't always do these voices so they come out as some kind of uh, weird anyway. Enough of that. Not at but, all. Uh, but thank you for, <laughs> for listening. So that's the end of uh, my section. It was uh, hopefully um, blessfully short. So uh, I would just like, well, we both like to say just thank you for any listeners who are listening to our podcast. Um, we know some of you, there are some of you out there, there must be, because unless people have wandered onto our podcast by accident and click play, which is always possible. It is possible, but <laughs> unlikely. <laughs> um, just a few other things. We are on SoundCloud now, uh, which is where you've obviously got us, but we're also on iTunes. Oh, wow. Um, I didn't even know that. Yeah. When did you do that? Uh, <laughs> well, I did it ages ago, but I, there's like a, a process you have to go through in order to, um, for them to check it out, make sure it's not some kind of racist. They're going to have to get like pro that. quick. I didn't realise it was going on iTunes. <laughs> this is the big leagues. So we'll see. But all you have to do basically is is go onto iTunes, a uh, podcast app, if you've got the app on your phone or what have you, and just put um, Parent Man and the Chronic Book and it should come up. It will also say Ben and Will because that's kind of my username that I've made. Super. Um, you got anything more to say, William? Um, well, we've got other links to Facebook and stuff, but rather than baffle everyone, I think we should just say facebook.com slash Poetman and the Chronicler, like you've already said a couple of times, and we will have the link to your fiction page where your company man is, the link to you know his Chronicles, and also to where mm-hmm. my um, Nags Head yeah. Facebook group is. So yeah. all those links will be on the Poetman and the on Chronicler the page. Yeah, that's it. That's it. So yeah, um, Thanks everyone for listening. It's been good fun to do it again. No, it has. And, it has. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to tomorrow. For I want to hear what this Stephen Rose has got to say. Like he's got into Oxford. He's going to be big. Like yeah, he's a really talented guy, and he's got a lot to say. So yeah, I want I want people to come tomorrow, but this won't be up in time to get it, in there. It won't. But hopefully, a lot of people will have turned up. Yeah, though there is one more thing I'm doing, but that's literally Friday, so in three days. It's something called Anarchy. A bit worried that it's on September the 11th. <laughs> was that, is that on purpose? Or no. Or is that just badly thought through? It's not badly thought through. We're trying to reclaim the date, I think. I'm going to take part mm. in it. It's all about like social sort of change and like leaderless revolution. Yeah. I'm going to do a bit about how banking is bad yeah. for how, how it's affected things, how it's gone out of control. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to do a, a rap about banking. I can't wait for that. Yeah, so that's Friday night this week. So I'm looking forward to doing that. That's with a guy called Zero Pence, and he's a rapper that I've been working with a bit. We're trying to write together and come up with something. He's come to my next head night a couple of times. And yeah, it's be good. Oh, fantastic. Look forward to it. Right, well, we will uh, leave that until next time. And uh, hopefully we'll do another one of these in a couple of weeks' time. Yeah, rather than a month. Like rather than a month. Time. Yeah, that was that was pretty lame, wasn't it? But I, I mean, mainly blame you, Will. Yeah, well, I've had, all this, busy. I've had all this 
I've been bullying my way onto other people's bills. Like, <laughs> just because I can turn up with a notebook yeah. and I don't need any sound check and I think I just get on. Yeah. And I thought it worked for John Cuba Clark going on between bands. Why not do it? You know, why not yeah. try it? Okay, whilst I pretend to know who that is, and presumably, <laughs> uh, presumably Will is not arrested, then we'll see you later. <laughs> so thank you guys. Bye. Thanks a lot. Bye. Bye. Bye.